So um, I think that's part of our game that uh, um, kind of has always been steady enough, you know, and it has been a presence there this year, you know. Um, you know, it's a good source of scores just to be able to play good defence, then get out in the fast break and get an easy basket. I think the issue for us has been we've struggled when the other team does score and we have to come down and play them in the half court, you know, so when there is when there is five defenders between you and the baskets, you know, so um, the transition from defence to offence is something that, you know, I think every team will, will tell you that they're happy, it's, uh, they're happy enough with, you know, you're drilled from a very young age to get out and run and to be able to finish a layup. Um, but on the opposite side of that is in the half court, when you're 5v5 and you're looking at creating spaces and gaps, I think that's where we've had the issues this year. Um, and that's what we've been kind of been working on at training is just a different motion, a different play um, than what we've usually ran. Usually we run uh, an overload on one side and we kind of get bogged down using just one side of the court. So this new look at it, we're going to try and, you know, swing the ball either side and really get to... <coughs> get the ball into both corners of the court and over try and touch each sideline and hopefully open up the middle a bit more for a few more easy baskets, you know. Um, and that's kind of been the focus, you know, uh, of our uh, new look offense for this half of the season. And you, you mentioned there about, you know, like your plan when uh, when Sean McDermott is playing and, uh, you know, what he adds to it. But I, I suppose really, you know, have you got like a plan B for, you know, if he's not there and there isn't that option that, or that thing that he brings to the, the team, or, you know, that added skill level or that, that extra something that he brings that, you know, when he's not there, you can try something else or... Um, what way does that go? Or, or is there a plan B that you have in place for when he's not there? Uh, well, you know, it's Sean is kind of the standout player in that fast break. Mm. You know, he's constant presence. But uh, that's not to say he's the only man that runs. You know, TJ Hannon there is um, insanely fast. Uh, young TJ, um, he's another Western Gales man. So when he's on the court, he's a like, you know, there's not many people in the league that can keep up with TJ. We played Castle Bear, or Mayo Meteors, I should say, um, they're undefeated. They're probably the best team in the league. Um, and TJ got a lot of minutes off the bench because, you know, he was just such a um, spark off the bench and he just used his quickness and speed to get out for fast break finishes. And he also shoots the three well. Um, DeMontis Ozilis there started playing with us this year. He's in 60 year TJ, another like speed freak, you know, who'll get out in the fast break. I suppose with Shawnee, he just has that feel for it maybe is a bit more experienced where, um, you know, if his shot goes up, he'll nearly start leaking out. He'll start cheating down the court a bit. Or um, he just has a sense of when the fast break's going to come. So hopefully we can build that in the rest of the lads, you know. So, um, yeah, the fast break is just, um, with Sean, it just, he's the most standout player on it, his execution of it, his timing of when he does make that outlet run to get down the court. But, um I suppose we have the personnel that everybody can get out and run, you know. I think a problem with us as well is um, myself and Joseph Henry have a habit of maybe putting the heads down and getting the rebound and putting it on the floor ourselves rather than looking up and actually throwing that long pass um, to the outlet. So that's as well something we have to be better at connecting on. But, um, yeah, um, defensively, you know, we know we can get stops. 
And once we do kind of force the turnover or force the miss and secure the rebound, I'm happy enough with like any kind of combination of players. You know, we'll have people run the fast break efficiently. That's it, and uh, yeah. So that uh, and I suppose really lo- looking at Longford as well. You you know you'd be very familiar with them at the, at this stage. So I suppose is this um, you know one of the well I suppose you think there are certain games that you you, you will identify as saying well you know if we, if we play well if we we play well and we're folks which you always are but you know there's there there might be certain games that you 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 have that good feeling that. Uh, you have a good chance of winning, and you can't take teams for granted either. But um, you know, what are the the are there any weaknesses in this? And I know you were you were saying back there that uh, you know you want to focus on yourselves more than than the opposition. But um, I suppose the key thing that any in any sport is identifying the weaknesses of the opposition, as well as look, looking at your own how you play. But um, what are the weaknesses that you feel are are there any that Longford have that you could? Um, that, that you could play now, or have you actually seen how they were playing like in other games before before this, so that you, you have a fair idea of what they're like, or um, you know, as regards, have they any new players, or what, what's the story with them? Um, I know uh, they have a few strong um, individuals on the perimeter. Uh, Ty McNevin is always a very dangerous threat. He's a great athlete and a great finisher at the rim. Um, and he always causes us problems. And Owen Creevy as well is back with him this year. Um, I know myself and Joseph Henry um, scrimmaged a bit uh, with Owen when we were in Galway. So um, uh, Owen's a good shooter. And again, he's long and athletic and he can get to the rim. So we know their threats. Um, that being said, I don't think we're going to, our focus is going to be targeting any weaknesses they have. Rather, we just want to focus, like we talked about, focus on ourselves. And instead of like thinking about a weakness they have, we just want to play to kind of execute our offense and focus on that to a high enough level where, um, you know, we're not targeting a weakness. We're just playing our offense to a high enough level where um, we're going to score anyway, you know, regardless of where they're weak or strong, you know. So, yeah, I think like every, we're familiar enough with every team in the league where we know the threats, but uh, definitely going into this one we're just going to keep it very simple focus on ourselves focus on executing the little details of the offense that will make it efficient and uh, hopefully during the game if they do have weaknesses they'll you know just um, emerge you know because of how well we play our offense rather than going down there in our heads like thinking of okay let's focus on this player or that player for them to maybe target we're going to focus on ourselves and um, that should be enough to um, get us a good performance that we can be proud of. And hopefully um, that attitude can be applied to every game then after that, rather than, um, you know, kind of changing your approach to a game based on who they have. You know, if we just to put a value on how well we play and how we execute, I think it's going to be a healthier approach for us. So, um yeah, that'll be our approach this weekend. You know, we're going to be aware of their threats, um, but rather than looking at their weaknesses that we can exploit, we're going to just um, play to our strengths uh, to a high level, um, hopefully anyway, and that would should get us the win. 
And do you think, like, you know, you'll be able to kind of dictate the pay, dictate the play as regards, you know, the pace of the play and, and just in general? Um, is that is that what you'd be looking for from from yourselves? Like, obviously, you want to you want to do as much as you can to, to score, but you know the way, like some in some matches, you have an approach where you want to totally dictate the play and um, you know dictate how it goes. Um, but that's not always possible, I suppose, because they'll have their purple patches and you'll have your purple patches as well. Yeah, so in basketball, you just kind of feed your way into the game and see how it goes. You know, if you get a lead, you obviously want to slow it down and use up the shot clock and uh, maybe, you know, that sort of way and you want to slow it down. But then if the other team gets in front, you want to keep the pace up and, you know, get quick scores and uh, get back up the scoreboard. So, yeah. You know, it really depends how it goes when it comes to uh, what sort of pace you want to set in the game. Um, you know, we go out and uh, we'll always try and, you know, like I said earlier, get stops on defense and get out and run the fast break and get baskets that way. So hopefully we can be the team to uh, get out to that early lead and then we can manage it from there. So um, there's no, in terms of managing the pace, there's no, uh, you know, particular thing we're going to have or expectation we're going to have going in um, you know we want to hit the ground running um, and hopefully get out to a lead and then after that we will um, you know adjust according to how the kind of game goes once we feel uh, the opposition out so the pace of the game will really depend on um, you know how we're scoring how we're how they're scoring um, so it'll kind of be a game time kind of adjustment we have to make if we want to slow it down or speed it up and uh, just uh, just to let the player, just let the listeners know if they, if anyone is interested in going to the game, the game is the game the game is away, isn't it? Yeah, so it's in the um, uh, the Sports and Leisure Centre in Longford. It's a three thirty tip off, so it's an early tip off. Usually the games are in the evening, but uh, we're at half three this Saturday in um, the Sports and Leisure Complex in Longford. That's it, and uh, I suppose now, as we always do, then we 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 give the ladies a shout. And uh, how have they been getting on over Christmas? I suppose they they be like yourselves, uh, like the men's team. There'll be downtime for, as in, there'll be no matches throughout Christmas. But uh, I'm sure they they were the girls were equally busy, kind of uh, working on their game and preparing for preparing for the new year. How is that? How is the uh, Christmas period been going for for the ladies team? Yeah, so we kind of as well. Uh, it didn't suit, you know. We had we usually train Thursday nights with the uh, women's team, uh, and it just didn't suit over the Christmas. You know yourself, um, it's a busy time. Uh, we were back there. I had, I had a few of the girls in there last night, working on a few bits. Um, our last game before the Christmas, we had a bad result against Mohill at home. They came down and they kind of gave us a bit of a humbling. You know, uh, they had a very strong game. Quiva um, McGuinness for them was fairly unstoppable on the night so they put up a big score against us and um, we managed okay but uh, they did uh, it was a fairly easy win for them in the end and it was a game where we thought you know we'd be at the level you know uh, to compete and hopefully get a win you know you want to win your home games in this league to try and be at the top end but um, Longford just uh, they caught us unprepared you know we they play a very kind of um, close man-to-man defence and it's not something we've really put the preparation in for um, to play against. Uh, usually we come up against the zone and we're able to get a good enough success against the zone because we have 
a lot of options on the three-point line and outside shots. Um, you know, we have a good team of shooters there. I always mention uh, Kerry Harkin and Sandra Kane. Um, Tanika Lavin's able to shoot, Katie Murphy, Khalees Curran. You know, so when you have that sort of shooting power on the outside, you're able to stretch his own defense out, you know. But um, Mohill, then they've been a group, they've been together a long time, and they're very organized and very sharp on their man-to-man. So it's very hard to... Uh, get those spaces on the perimeter against a man-to-man, you know, because each player is assigned a player to stick with it. Um, so they're able to close out three-point shots. Um, so we found it tough. You know, we had no offensive rhythm, really. Um, it was frustrating, you know. Um, players were kind of getting frustrated with each other where we couldn't get the spaces. Um, we didn't really... We worked on a few bits against a man-to-man. I think the personnel that were available on the night... You know, some of them knew some plays that you'd use and then some didn't know them. So it was very hard to kind of get that offensive rhythm. And then off that, you know, if you play a bad offense, you're going to turn the ball over or miss shots. So that allowed them to get out in the fast break. And, you know, they have a lot of good athletes there. Quiva, again, um, like I said, edge us up in the fast break. So, um, you know, I think they did put up a big score against us, but I think, a bit of work now on just um, our offensive spacing and um, how we play against different types of defenses. Um, and I think had we done that preparation, um, it would have been a lot closer game because I think uh, player for player, we're as good as them, you know, talent-wise. Yeah. I think the roster we have is um, we have a lot of potential and a lot of talent, but it's just trying to get it to click. Whereas Mohill on the other side, um, they're very organized, structured. They've been a group that have been together a long time, whereas we have sort of players this year has been their first time really playing with each other, um, a lot of them. So uh, I think that was the difference in that game. So, yeah, over the Christmas then, we kind of just took a breather from it um, uh, and we got back uh, there last night. A few of the girls were in and we're going to be back training um, tomorrow night as the full team training. So... And hopefully we'll it'll be all offense that we work on, just getting used to each other. A lot of situationals, you know, three v three situations, five v five situations, um, over the next few weeks. And we play Boyle in our next game in I think it's Sunday week. So I think we'll have the opportunity to train two or three times and it'll be all, you know, just kinda getting those offensive sets organized and hopefully we can um go into that boil game with a expectation of you know better spacing on offense and better execution on those things. So yeah, that's how the that's how the women's kind of Christmas went. You know, it, it was quiet. Um, you know, I think we've kind of gone fairly hard at it with the women's this year. So um, I think it was and then it was obviously a very frustrating way to go into the Christmas break. So we just took a step back and now we're kind of we still have two weeks until the next game. So we're going to crack back into it now to be prepared for that one. And I suppose, like look, looking back at the Mohill game, uh, you know, I, I think for like from interviews that we have done leading up to that game, um, all the games leading up to this game, that game that you're on about, that we were talking about against Mohill, that's the first time that you've come up against that situation or that type of play all season that 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 you had to, that that you were confronted with, um, all, to, all up to then, hasn't it been? And I suppose, you know, from that game. What would what would you see? With the, was there any positives out of that game? And obviously, you know, you, you mentioned the, the the things that you're you're working on as well. Um, so that I suppose if you if you come up against them again later on in the season or next year, you'd be better prepared for them. 
Um, you know, as the game went on, I think I think it was very clear that you know they were causing us a lot of problems on our offensive side. Um, but as the game went on, um, you know we we just kind of stayed at it and stayed with it. But um, it was very clear we were very, found it very difficult to get any offensive rhythm. But yeah. um, we had our good moments, you know. I think once the ball kind of did get moving, um, you know, we've worked a lot on our individual skills. You know, that's been kind of my focus with them. And there was a few good moments from, you know, Khalise Curran got round the corner and attacked the basket uh, a few times, which I was very happy with. Uh, Abby Flanagan as well, who um, she's in 60 as well with Khalise, um, had a few good moments where she got the player one-on-one and backed herself, you know, to rip it through and go by the player and finish at the rim. Um, uh, Sandra Kane as well, who usually lives on the three-point line, had a good few moments where she said, okay, I am not, they're not giving me this three-point shot. <coughs> Excuse me. They're not giving me this three-point shot, so um, let me just jab one way and go the other and try and get to the basket, um, which I like, you know, because sometimes I feel uh, we're a bit hesitant to go into contact and we like to shoot a bit much, so... Uh, Mohill kind of forced that out of us. Now, we didn't get success out of it a lot of the time, but um, it was a sign that I think girls knew um, that we were kind of being exposed in that sense and they were trying something different, you know. So um, there was signs of girls, you know, because in that man-to-man defense, you do get opportunities one-on-one where one player lines up their defender and everybody else kind of is cleared out. Uh, And it was good to see girls, you know, attacking, you know, because you're, you know, the key there is to drive, look for contact and then maybe cross over or get to the rim if you can. And, you know, there was girls looking for that. So um, there was a few positives, you know, it was, uh, and we stayed with it on defense as well as much as we could. You know, a lot of their baskets came on, like we talked about earlier, fast breaks where you're not really, you don't really get the chance to set up on defense. Uh, But I think we did give them problems when we were back and set up. I think that's always a strength of ours. Um, just in this one, you know, our bad offense led to their easy um, offense on the other end. So um, positives-wise, yeah, I think uh, there was a few moments where girls backed themselves in the 1v1 situation, um, which I really liked because that shows that they're growing in confidence, you know, and that shows that they're actually valuing themselves as a 1v1 individual basketball player, uh, which is something that, you know, is something that as a coach this year, especially with the women's team, that I really wanted to see. Um, because you know that they're making themselves a threat, and the more threats you can have on the floor, the better. So, um, yeah, those are the positives. You know that just one-on-one uh, girls backing themselves. But I think um, in terms of learning, I think we know when we play Mohill again, we need to be prepared for a man-to-man defense, and we need to work on spacing and screens and screening off the ball and um, all the stuff that comes with playing against a man. So. Um, yeah, so um, po- all those positives um, and always just more information um, that we can learn from. So uh, we'll go off that Mohill game uh, with stuff to work on and with stuff to uh, build on as well because there was positives, like you said. That's great. and It's always good to have that sandwich, you know, the negatives, the negatives and the positives, which is also, you know, because, you know, it, there's always things that you can work on, but it's nice to kind of that you can look at the positives as well and say, well, look, we can do this right and we just need to get this right, you know, so that that's good. So listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, Castery Cavaliers basketball. 
podcast and we'd like to wish yourself and everyone at Castery Cavaliers um, a happy new year in 2023 and we look forward to um, we look forward to talking to you again next week yeah cheers Aidan we'll chat you next week hopefully we'll have a, a win to report from our game against Longford so uh, we'll chat you then no problem and I just forgot to mention there you, you, do you want to give a shout out there to the sponsors just quickly of course yeah uh, so real quick um, going into the new year we'd like to Extend our gratitude as well to our kids' sponsors, uh, Harmac Medical and uh, Cattle Super Value. Um, our warm-up tops are sponsored by Bastion Kitchen on Patrick Street and Mike Callahan Construction. And then just our running cost sponsors that sort have of, uh, given us a lot of help this year, McGorty's Bear on uh, Main Street, uh, Amigo International Transport. They are based out in Ballinlaw, so a big thank you to them. And Twisby's Discount Store down on Patrick Street, uh, always... Um, helping us out year on year. So thanks a million to all our sponsors. We look forward to representing you in the new year. No problem. Thanks very much for that, uh, Thomas, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Aidan. Good luck. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Thomas O'Callaghan, player manager at Cassery Cavaliers Basketball Club. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? This is Aidan Raptor here, and I present Friday Sport every Friday from 5 o'clock until right through till 7 every Friday on Ross of M Community Radio. And the show is always, always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon. And also, why not take part in our new um, Ross of M Community Radio 50 50 draw? To take part is very easy. You just buy an envelope. It's uh, for one euro, for one envelope, it's two euro, or uh, you can get three for a fiver. So why not take part and support your local radio station? It could be you that wins the jackpot. Thank you. Bye. Hello, everyone. How you doing? And you're very welcome to this week's League of Ireland chat with myself, Aidan Rafferty. And, of course, as always, we have Robbie Mulvey from Atlone Community Radio talking about all things League of Ireland. On today's show, we're going to be looking ahead to the League of Ireland season for, 20, for 2023. And, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting season when you think about like how, se- how last season went. And, of course, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the promoted sides got on. But uh, I suppose, yeah, we'll just uh, have a look a year at the head, a year at the a year Head and um, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on the, the well? I suppose the first of all, I suppose the um, the champions of the Premier Division and the First Division, and how you think the the promoted teams will get on in the Premier Division? Yeah, well, I'm just looking through some of the uh, teams and some really interesting transfers to talk about. So I'll just go through them little bit by little bit and maybe talk about where I, I kind of see teams strengthening and. Uh, maybe losing a little bit. So, for example, we'll start with Bohemians in the Premier Division. So they brought in the likes of Paddy Kirk and Adam McDonald, both from Sligo Rovers. That's a really excellent um, acquisition for Bohemians. Two very experienced players. Of course, Paddy Kirk coming back to Bohemians. You've got Keith Buckley, of course. He's a free agent. He uh, came through the ranks initially with Bohemians. He's coming back to the club. They brought in a very shrewd signing from uh, Derry. They've uh, got James Akintunde, who's always been a very dangerous uh, attacking player for Derry City. He's come in from Derry City. But they have lost one or two players. Um, They have lost um, Jamie Mullins, who is considered one of the brightest attacking midfield prospects in the league at the moment. He's been recruited by Brighton and Hove Albion 
Tyreek Wilson has gone to Shelburne. Liam Burt has gone to Shamrock Rovers. So they have gained a few, but they've also lost a few key players. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they manage to plug those gaps. Uh, moving on to Cork City. Of course, they're coming up from the first division. They brought in uh, Tunde Owalabi uh, from St. Patrick's Athletic. They've also brought in Ethan Varian on loan from Bohemians and Matt Healy from Ipswich on loan as well. But they've also lost out on Lewis Britton, who's uh, been who's gone over to Yeovil Town. Art McNulty, the of course the perennial goalkeeper for Cork City, has retired. Dylan McLeod has gone to Australia. He's been released. And, of course, David Harrington has been snapped up by Fleetwood Town. They have, however, managed to re-sign uh, key players for the team from last season. Players like Keane Coleman, Keane Murphy, Barry Coffey, Aaron Bulger, uh, Ali Gilchrist, uh, and, and others too. Jimmy Corcoran, of course, the goalkeeper, and one or two others as well. So um, they have got the core of that team uh, signed down or tied down at least. So they'll be looking to build on that over the next couple of days. And I suppose... Yeah, City, we mentioned that yeah. earlier, uh, they had one very, very good uh, uh, incoming uh, player or transfer to the team over the last couple of weeks. I think this could potentially be the signing of the season or the steal of the season. They've got uh, former Irish under-21 goal scorer and first division lead goal scorer from a year ago, Colin Whelan. He's come in from UCD. Of course, Colin had that really bad injury uh, a couple of months back, but he seems to be back in business. Uh, he is a real goal scorer, a real fox-in-the-box type of player. He's a player you might want to watch out for. Still only 22. If he has a good season, we might see him get a move across to England eventually. But I see him as being one of the top scorers this season. They've got let go with Danny Lafferty. He's gone to Sligo Rovers. Uh, James Akintonley, of course, we've we've talked about. And Matty Smith is on a loan deal made permanent to Shelburne. They've also re-signed Joe Thompson, Asado Diallo, uh, Kieran Harkin, Keane Kavanagh, Patrick McElhenney, of course, is a major player for them last year. Mark Conley as well. Uh, Cameron Dummikin, uh, Will Patching, some very, very experienced players. Uh, Cameron McJanis, Brian Maher, who was a fantastic for them last year in goal. Brandon Kavanagh, Ryan Graydon, some young players as well, like Dahi McCallion, uh, Liam Mullion, uh, Lee Mullen uh, and, and players like this uh, Ronan Boyce who's a, um, is a young centre back as well so they have a very good side uh, at their disposal in, uh, this season moving on to Drogheda United they've brought in Sean Brennan from UCD Aaron McNally they've brought in Michael Letty on loan who's a young striker from Shamrock Rovers and Ben Curtis who is the older brother of uh, uh, of Sam Curtis who is uh, attracting some really big interest from a European, big European superpowers like Roma, Sampdoria, Juventus and Man Manchester City of course I'm looking at him. His older brother has gone to draw the United. He is another player to look out for. Uh, they've also let go, they have let go though, Andrew Quinn who's gone to Shelburne. Dean Williams has gone to Bray Wonders uh, along with uh, Chris, uh, sorry, Dean Williams has gone to Bohemians. Chris Lyons and Dean Massey have gone to uh, Grey Wonders and uh, 
Great Pagan has gone to Forest Green. We're going to move on to Dundalk. They have let go D- David McMillan. He's a free agent. Lewis McCarry returned to Stoke City after his loan deal. Stephen Brady, Bradley and Runar Haig, they returned to Hibernian after their loan ended. And Brian Gartland has retired. However, they have resigned quite a few players. The likes of Nathan Shepherd, Pat Hogan, Andy Boyle, Alfie Lewis, Robert McCord, Paul Doyle. Uh, they've also signed David Daniel Kelly, Ryan O'Kane, who has been one of their star players uh, last year. He's only 19 as well. He's been attracting quite a lot of attention too. Darren Leahy, John Martin, Greg Slogger, Peter Cherry and Keith Ward. Moving on to the champions, Shamrock Rovers, they brought in Liam Burt from Bohemians. Johnny Kenny has been brought in on loan from Celtic. Of course, the former Slugger Rovers man has had a tough time over in the Celtic youth uh, system. He had a, a rough time with King, Queen's Park Rangers uh, as well, or Queen's, Queen of the South, I should say, in the Scottish Third Division. He's coming back for uh, game time as well. They've also brought in a former League of Ireland player, Trevor Clark. He's on loan from Bristol Rovers. Uh, the, on the outgoing side of things, Andy Lyons has gone to Blackpool. Adam Wells has been released to Wexford FC. And Victor Seren Nuke, he's gone to Longford Town. Chris McCann, uh, his contract has expired. And uh, Michael Leddy has gone to Drogheda United on loan. And Idamo Imaku was sold off to Millwall uh, in the last few weeks so he is a name to watch out for over in England he's injured right now but he has gotten extensive European time game time with um, with Shamrock Rovers people might remember a few years ago or a year ago he came on uh, as a substitute and scored in the European uh, European Conference League he's done it a couple of times so he's definitely a player to look out for moving on to Shelburne real quick in comes Conor Kearns of Galway United Tyreek Wilson of Bohemians Kyle Robinson of St. Patrick's Athletic Andrew Quinn from Drogheda United Evan Caffrey from UCD they brought in Matthew Smith from uh, Derry that's a loan deal made permanent uh, Lewis Temple Gavin Hodgins and Luke Brown have been promoted from the academy and ba- Paddy Barrett is a free agent uh, that's been brought in to bring some much needed experience to this very, very, very young uh, Shelburne side. Uh, outgoing uh, on, the, on the way out is Brendan Clark, Daniel Carr, Daniel Hawkins, Aaron O'Driscoll, Josh Garugi. Um, also released after contracts were Kyle O'Connor, Jamal uh, Abraham, who went to Longford Town, and Stephen Negru has been snapped up by Oxford United. Uh, moving on to Sligo Rovers. We're nearly there, so stay with me. Uh, they have brought in Johan Brennefalk from Norby, from Sweden, Danny Lafferty from uh, Derry City, Lucas Browning from Dalkard, Sweden. They brought in James Fennerty from Bohemians, Nando Pinyaker from Rio Ave. They brought in Gary Boylan from Finn Harps and Bogdan. Vatsuk from Stal Milak from Poland. He is an Estonian international. Uh, he's, a, he's their big signing for this year. But they've also let go Paddy Kirk and Adam McDonald, who both went back to Bohemians, as I said. Shane Blaney from Motherwell. Seamus Kiel, uh, from uh, went to Finn Harps. And Lewis Bank and Robbie Burton have been released. 
And finally, uh, I think we have two two more to go. We've got uh, uh, St. Patrick's Athletic. They have brought in Tommy Lonergan from UCD in their only incoming uh, transfer, but they've let go in Birmingham, who's retired. Adam O'Reilly has gone back to Preston North End. And uh, to, sorry about that. Now we've uh, you can listen to the full of that interview. Uh, it's uh, the po- that sh- this interview will be podcasted. The interview with uh, Robbie Mulvey is podcasted and is available on to listen to on um, the AR Sports Podcast uh, Facebook page and also on the Friday Sport uh, Facebook page as well. So you can listen to the full one of that. In the meantime, we have a, a, another uh, local interview from uh, I've uh, earlier on. Today I was speaking to uh, Noel Feeney, who's involved with the Roscommon Leader Partnership, and he has he is the he is the event coordinator with the Roscommon Leader Partnership, and he has been telling me all about uh, he's been telling me all about uh, the local challenge, the Roscommon uh, the Roscommon Community Challenge. The training is going on for it at the moment, and then the goal will be on uh, the actual event itself. Then will be on in a couple of weeks. So he tells me all about it, and that's coming up after this. Hello everyone, how are you doing? You're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty and don't forget the show The show is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town and just to, to let you know about the Ross FM Community Radio 50-50 draw that's held every fortnight why not support your local radio station by uh, by taking part it's uh, for one, it's 2 euro for one envelope or 3 euro for a fiver so why not uh, support it and you could win you could win the jackpot so uh, yes, yeah, so moving on now we have have an interview as you, you've probably seen in uh, in local circles there is an event coming up and uh, there's a, an event going on at the moment called the uh, Roscommon Community Challenge and that started uh, this week and of course uh, I think the se- second session is on on Monday but to tell us a bit more about it is um, about Roscommon Sports Partnership and his role is uh, Noel Feeney Noel Feeney hello Noel how are you how are you doing, Ian? Not too bad. Thanks very much for taking the time out to to, to come here. And uh, yeah, so just tell us a little bit about uh, par- about Roscommon uh, par- Sports Partnership and its role in, uh, I suppose, in sport in Roscommon in Roscommon Town and in County Roscommon. Yeah, I suppose just a quick background. There, there is a sports partnership in every county. Um, and more in some of the counties and that it's based around the local authority structure so there are actually four sports partnerships in Dublin for example because there's four county councils the sports partnership initiative was initially the brainchild of um, Sport Ireland or the Irish Sports Council as it was then at the time and they recognised the need for, I suppose for more coordinated efforts at local level particularly around the areas of sport and physical activity and well, that was back in 2000, 2001 Roscommon was lucky enough in that it was introduced on a phased basis across the the counties Roscommon was one of the first six selected for sports partnerships so we are one of the first sports partnerships it gradually rolled out then that every county ended up with a sports partnership so that's good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now the structures sort of changed slightly in 2006 in that the initial partnerships which were rolled out before 2006 were all companies limited by guarantee so they were effectively managed by volunteers a volunteer board 
and after 2006 they were part of the local authority. So I have counterparts who are actually direct county council employees and I have also my, some of my counterparts are still working under the company structure. So, so, that, so that, that's how you get your funding then, is it through the, county, from, through the council or through the government? Well, do you know what I mean? It's all government funding, so it's either, in our case, it's directed, directed yeah. to the company. From we apply every year to Sport Ireland for a range of programs, and where our general day-to-day operation is fully 100% funded by Sport Ireland, as in staff and uh, administration and all that. We would then apply for various other schemes, you know, such as Bike Week, etc., in different places around the place, um, and that's how we, I suppose, keep the, the show on the road. That's it, and I suppose really the, the whole point of it is is to try and encourage people to take up sports, ma- many different sports. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of sports going on in the county. You know, rugby, GA, soccer. You know, obviously the boxing with the with the, the O'Rourke sisters. Um, I suppose uh, your own your own young fella as well, and of course now now with. Uh, with uh, Rory Carty doing well in the rugby, there's so there are in the handball. There's so much going on, and uh, I suppose that there's a, there's been a lot of initiatives and a lot of projects that you, you, you have done as well, and uh, that's great to see. And it's uh, it has encouraged a lot of people that maybe weren't playing sport before taking up sport, or even even doing things like walking or jogging or kind of taking up swimming, different things like that. Yeah, like the whole thing really has evolved. As well, at both levels, like you, you know, you mentioned all. In fairness, we we have never had as many highly competitive internationals, you know, competing abroad. Young people, all probably on their twenties, um, and it's actually great to see. Mm. But they are at a different level to the rest of us. Yeah, you know, yeah. unfortunately, myself or yourself won't be make, yeah, won't well, be back in the bag. I've had my day in the sun, and and, uh, and so it's time to pass the baton on to and yeah. Holly Crow as well, yes, who did well in the youth act. in the youth Olympics as well. Yeah. We have to and like, mention her. So they they are effectively dopamine role models for for young people, not just in Roscommon but throughout the country. Like, and yeah. in fairness, you know, they're highly recognised you know there's three of them three Roscommon people going off to the Irish Independent you know Sports Personality of the Year Awards next Friday which is I think was unheard of but I suppose you know that's great to see and it gives us all encouragement whatever it is but I suppose in our role we would see the benefit of actually participating in sport not just to win medals or Just to maybe to get a bit of, like you say, get a bit of exercise, you know, a healthier, get yourself, lifestyle, a healthier I mean, lifestyle. It does, you know, and, and the definition of sports, people, you know, sometimes get confused. You know, the definition of sport really is is both parts of it. You mm-hmm. know, it's the physical activity and it's also the competitive side of it. You know, yeah. and possibly look, you know, in years past, there was probably way too much focus on competition and. You know, there are still things, you know, on the competitive side of it that maybe need to be changed around and probably the national governing bodies need to really look hard at the recreational yeah. side of their sport. And that was Sport that's Sport Ireland's don't I mean I suppose dream or whatever it is or agenda it is to the sport is, is is participation yeah first. You know, and, and right where it's great to have the the high end of it and but the benefits that sport as you know can bring to the individual yeah. they don't have to be competing at a high level to get that it's same just benefit. about leisure really it is, it is. Uh, and yeah. there's a lot of, look don't I mean the studies are fairly 
obvious at this stage, like as you're talking about improved health, improved mental health, you know, improved social outlets, you know, and you know that that is what we are. You know, we yeah. we need to be out and about, and sport is the ideal avenue for that. That's it, and I suppose, right? You know, the the other angle, maybe that uh, I, I know through experience that uh, you're you're trying to achieve as well is like sport through social inclusion. So, you know, there, there was a thing there. Like I was physio with a team there that uh, you know, for for a travelling team, maybe went to a tournament up in Dublin there in, in June and things. And there's someone over that as well. And uh, I, I got a, a position on a, a gym course uh, to become a gym instructor. And uh, you know, so th- this is all, it's all great. Like there's grants for places on all all these things, and there's there's a lot of things going on in the background. And there's also um, a soccer thing for for ladies then in um, out in uh, Kilbride Community Centre w- once a week as well. Tell us a bit more about that as well. Yeah, well, that that's I suppose you know really shows what sports should be yeah. for the. You know, for the the rest of us who aren't the Aurorics or yeah. uh, Rory <laughs> Carty or whatever, you know, um, you're talking about ordinary people, you know, that probably don't want to get involved in, in a competitive situation. Yeah, know, that's and, fair. And enough, look, yeah. we, we, we could probably spend two or three hours talking about that alone. But that has really taken off. And, uh, you know, I was just saying to Martin there before we started, like, I'm you know, 18, 19 years at this job, and I can see massive change, yeah. you know, in, over the course of that. Like, even, you know, back when the Sports Partnership Initiative was set up, it was going to be the cure-all for all the elements of sports clubs. Mm. But in fact, it's bit by bit moved over to the physical activity agenda mm. and the participation agenda is the number one agenda. That's not to say, you know, we don't, we still help out clubs, we still, you know, Provide, if someone wants to do something to, to develop their club or that that service is there but like you said there you know we have the first initiative I suppose that, that sort of moved in when that was a disability sport that's you know? it and, and that, that you know look let's call it a spade a spade people with disability did not have great opportunities for sport 20 years ago that's it and, and now, thanks to like, the likes of uh, the likes of Roscommon Sports Partnership and also the Special Olympics now p- people are able to you know swimming is a great thing there's a swimming club for the Special Olympics swimming club bowling club these are all things that weren't here 12, 20 or 30 years ago and uh, you know we, we said that the Olympics uh, the Special Olympics was held in Dublin and in, in, around Ireland and uh, it went it proved very well and there was a lot of high achievers from uh, from around Ireland which is great to see yeah, and, and do you know what I mean? The similar agenda, you know, applies for people with disability as well. You know, they want to take part in sport and in competitive stuff, but they also want recreational. Sport. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we've had a, a disability, full-time dis- sports disability officer now for the last, I think, five years. And, and you know, in, in fairness to, to Sport Ireland, you know, they've moved to... Uh, the demands mm. of what's out there, you know, yeah. in that, right, they recognise, look, we couldn't provide activities for people with disability unless we had a full-time person there for it. It's just, it's, it's a difference, it, it, it requires an awful lot more input 
and, and a different slant on, uh, I suppose, on, on delivery of programmes and, and the participation agenda as well. And so, to, to do that as well, though, you know, it's great to have all these, but, but uh, to do that involves, you have to have structure and kind of do it in a, in a measured way and in a structured way so that things are done properly. And, uh, you, you know, I suppose there's a lot of legal things, insurance things, uh, you know, so... and. Uh, you know, when the, when the, once that's done, then that's where the that, that's where it, it all comes out and say, right, Jenny, this is well organised, and uh, then other people, it's like a roll-on effect. Then, yeah, and and I suppose, you know, you you have to have expertise and guidance. If you know, if you're a club and you want to to take take members from people of people with a disability. You're going to have to change your your structures. You're going to have to change the way you deliver your programs because, right, you're try you're still delivering, we say, football or soccer or, you know, hurling or whatever, but it has to be done in a different in a different manner. Mm. And do you know what I mean? A lot of times, you know, to try and 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 do two things at the one time just isn't going to work. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's it's a gradual process. And look. You know, we have great initiatives around town here. You know, with Roscommon uh, and Gales and and their 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 club for kids with disability. And you know, we're we're working. Do you know what I mean? To give experience experiences to people with disability. Like we have a big cycling program for both within the schools, but also on a one to one. And it changes their life as well, it does, doesn't it? Because yeah. you know they. It's not an opportunity that you can walk in the door and, and buy over the counter, you know. Yeah. And it does, in fairness, take a lot of extra resources that, again, you know, Sport Ireland have seen this and, and they're making those resources available. That's it. And uh, I suppose that's where, where, where people like yourself come in. And uh, just to tell us a bit about yourself and your role, you're the uh, the events kind of coordinator with Roscommon Sports Partnership. Could you tell us a bit about, about yourself and your, your role and what you do? Yeah, I suppose, again, like I said, you know, 18 years has been a lot of changes. <laughs> you know, when I started out back in, I think, 2006, you know, there was just a, the two people in the office, you know. Yeah. Um, by the end of the month, there's going to be seven people. Yeah. All with different, it's the same two posts, are still original posts, which mine was the coordinator, basically in charge of, uh, of what was going on, and the administrator looked after... You know all the the financials, etc. But you know now we have sports disability officer. We have a community sports development officer. We have a communications and marketing officer. We have um, we're going to have a community sports hub development officer. So you know people say, oh, you know, you're just getting more people. But all those those people have they're there for a reason. They're there for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, what, take for example disability. You know, Sport Ireland reckon the disability sport agenda is not going to move on unless there's people at a local level, you know, coordinating it. Um, the general, I suppose, clubs and community organisations still need support, so there's a community sports development. Mm. The whole, you know, um, promotion of sport, um, Facebook, you know, people getting information on what's going on yeah that as you you know yourself you know there's no such thing as Facebook of any description back you know, then back uh, then yeah. and that's now how people are getting their information that's, that's it because I mean informing themselves and that's you know they're, they're also educating themselves mm. you know so say for us with COVID all of our activities went online and yeah. it, it could be done 
you know, at the click. click and that, that was the difficult time during yes. during COVID yeah. because people, you can't travel. You could only travel within, I think, six miles of your house and all this. So yeah. the, you were kind of li- during COVID, people were limited as to what they could do and where they could go yeah. uh, during COVID. But it would also have been a challenging time for yourselves in a, as an oh, organisation, yeah, without a doubt. And I think, you know. A lot of things happened in COVID, but I think from our perspective and from my perspective in particular, it really showed up two things. Mm. You know, one, the amount of activities that were the sports organisations and general community organisations were providing locally that the, that people were accessing, and suddenly they were gone overnight. Yeah, straight gone. And the second thing was that you know, families and people really had to provide their own activity. Yeah. And then suddenly had to look around and found, well, we can only really go walking or cycling or, you know, we have to visit some of the the local amenities. And I think COVID brought on an appreciation of those amenities. Mm. The town park, Moat Park, you know, all of Lockheed Forest Park. We were looking, we were walking around looking at these for years and we never said, we didn't, we, we hardly even recognised the value of them. Suddenly... And, and that has changed. That that has not dropped off. You mm. know, people certainly are more conscious of you know individual recreation. Yeah. Right. The, the, Even things know. like uh, we say, like walking clubs and all these things that uh, that weren't there or thereabouts. But I suppose really, when you look around the county as well, uh, and you look at the amount of the investment in in uh, clubs and things like that. I mean, you look at Craig's. You know, like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, there was only one pitch. Now they have five pitches and a full-size 4G pitch and a gym and all that, new new facilities there. You know, and, and, and other, uh, you know, they're, they're investing, obviously, in Jay. That's, that's a separate thing. But there's so much going on, and uh, there's, it's great to see the level of investment uh, being put into sport. And I think it's, it's uh, you know, when, when you've seen the likes of... Uh, you know, people people doing well in the likes of Olympics. Uh, I, you know, that's what inspires people to get up and um, you know get get involved in sport. And some people mightn't under know how, how right. How do we go about getting involved in you know swimming or get involved in this or that? And I suppose you know they can turn to organisations like yourselves yeah. and you'll be able to put them in the right direction. Yeah, and that's how you know that that's one of our primary functions is is to, is, is is provision of information. Yeah. Sounds like a very simple thing but you know look apart from organizing the programs and the activities you know we're, we're trying really hard pushing and again we you know we we've addressed the communication and that that wasn't something that i found you know money for locally that was that's a national recognition that look you know if we're going to be moving on this agenda it's going to have to go a particular direction and there's a lot of paperwork into this these oh, things yeah. getting these things as yeah, well you know and and like you know my role i suppose could it would have been in a lot of t- uh, back in the, in the days, maybe been probably more hands on. Yeah. You know, my hands are slowly but surely, you know, moving back from any direct. Just, I mean, delivery yeah, of, of, to of do that, stuff. Yeah. You know, there's some somebody has to be there to do that. And you know, again, it's not about us out and doing everything. Our job is to encourage other, you know, yeah. and help out the people who are actually delivering it. Oh, on the ground and, and provide whatever assistance that we can be a training be it a bit, a bit of equipment or whatever or maybe you know a bit of encouragement yeah like th- that's that's really important and i think that's sort of where you know where the whole my role you know has evolved in, in particular in that you know i'm 
now really looking at a, a sitting back taking a bird's eye view of what's going on you know sometimes yeah. when you're busy and you're out doing things yourself you don't suddenly sort of you know you need to stand back and say look you know what's the trend here where yeah. are we going what's the national trend you know where where we be direct and you know that suddenly is sort of falling into place a lot quicker in the last two or three years than than we thought was going to happen. We it had one look it, like everything else. Sometimes things wander around for a while, but the new national sports policy, just I mean, came out there two years ago. Yeah, and previously there was no national sports policy. So, you know, I was off doing my thing here, and my counterpart and. Affili was doing another thing, and we were all doing good work, whatever it is. Yeah. But there was no cohesion, just mean, at a national level to say, right, here's the documents, here's what the state expects for their money, you know, and here's what, you know, the targets that, that, that we need to meet. So, and bit by bit, you know, that has, that has slowly but surely started to kick in because, you know, that's the direction the money is going, and, you know, that's the powers to be. That's it. And it's great to see it. And and I think, you know, the the main thing is with all these things, we've seen that, uh, you know, that the, 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 I suppose the grants that have been given, they've been justified in how the, I I suppose they, the, the success of each pro, of each project that has happened and uh, that brings us on to you, you know wh- why we're here and I suppose just to, to say like uh, I'm always going through my Facebook you know Twitter and all that and I just came across this now I think this is their second or third uh, year of uh, the Roscommon Community Challenge and uh, so just tell us a bit a bit about the challenge and it's not too late I know that it said uh, I, I, I just saw it on Facebook the other day and I just put in the comments would you be interested in doing an interview and because that's the main role of Ross FM is kind of giving coverage to, to, to local stuff. But this seems to be a really good project. And the, 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 the great thing about this is it's something for for, for people for, with all abilities, for all abilities. And uh, I think that, that, that goes into the um, whole, I suppose, um, inclusive... Um, ethos, you know, a social inclusion ethos, I should say, and uh, it's very good. So, um, could you tell us a bit more about, I suppose, the history of it and uh, how people, what people need to do to take part in it? And I think the second session is on Monday evening, isn't it? Yeah, we're running uh, training sessions on a Monday and a Wednesday in the community sports park. I suppose a bit of the background, in fairness, you know, it was you know, originally started back in, I suppose, in a different format. Um, it was, it was the, the brainchild of, of uh, a very active uh, community couple, Jack, Jackie and Bob McCormick, and yeah. it started off as the, as the the Ronald McCormick Challenge. Oh, I remember seven that. Or eight yeah, years yeah. Ago, yeah, and we actually done we we started off with with cycles. That, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was a charity cycle, I suppose, at the time, and sort of gradually then we moved. We done a, I think we done a double. We we started with a run on the Friday and the, <laughs> the cycle on the Saturday, but you know I suppose eventually we sort of had to settle down because the events were getting so big that look we're, we'll concentrate on one event now and do it do it right. Yeah. So the concept of the community challenge is you know it's for everybody in the community. It's not a race. Yeah. There's nobody. There's no prizes. <laughs> yeah. There's no. There's nobody. You'll get your time for the event at the end of it, but uh, there's no. You're, you're not trying to beat anybody except your, yourself, you know. And it's primarily targeted at people who don't normally 
partake in, in those events because you know we look we promise ourselves every every year that oh I'm going to run a 5k and you know the next question is well where am I going to start mm. so what we've incorporated here is we have um, I guess seven weeks now we always go the first time after the the first new week of the new year after the bank holiday um, we start our training program because mm. people are you know, I have to have all their good intentions lined up and whatever. Mm. So we we started last Wednesday. You know, bank holiday been the Monday. We said we give gives them the day off. But uh, so we're back on a Monday and a Wednesday. And what we're doing, you know, we have three different groups. There are people who don't, you know, who are well capable. Some, as you say, mentioned all the likes of Holly Kilroe. You know, I know that they're well capable of running five mm. k and ten k. They don't need. But so sometimes, right? Sometimes, really, you could start off at something like you know doing something like this, and then they'll say, "Okay, well, that sport is for me." And from this, they could go to that. It's like yeah. a stepping stone. Yeah, and I think, you know, sort of wandering back a bit, like there are probably four key activities that are going to be targeted in 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 the next few years. Mm. Um, uh, cycling, walking, swimming, yeah. and running. They yeah. are the four going to be the four because, do you know what I mean? They are easy recreational activities. There's no big investment required from the state's point of view. If you want to go competitive with it, you're more than welcome to go off and join a club. But for for the general person or the general person who just wants to get a bit of activity, get their fitness level up a bit, you know. They are the four activities that, are good, that, that you know yeah. we really need to look at and say, look, you know. If but again, you know, sometimes it's not that simple. Yeah. You know, some say, well, you know, what's, what's running? It's just putting one foot in front of the other fast. No, it's not. Yeah. You know, if you start badly, you're going to you're going to talk yourself out within yeah. the, within the first. So you need you know. Don't you, overthink it. Don't, yeah, well, yeah, but <laughs> you know. I won't say don't overthink it, but then do overthink it yeah. a bit because. But it's how you approach it, yeah, and that you get proper instruction, you know, on how to do it, yeah. and get you to like we have. The training is one element of it, and then we have a, our goal event, the, the actual community challenge, five k and ten k race. And like I said, you know, area, they're not a race; they're they're an opportunity for people who are well capable of doing it, but also people who have, for, as of last Wednesday, will be training just to complete that. Probably the, most of them will be doing the 5K. Complete a 5K, you know, properly. Do it, run an event. No, you know, don't be stopping halfway because you're out of breath and, yeah. you know, that you will actually And that's start. what these weeks are about. That's what these Get weeks here, are, yeah. a gradual build-up. And, you know, look, every year sometimes, you know, we have people that, that start a beginner's group every year mm. and say well you know, you know it's always the run and joke what are you doing back in the beginners you go up again this year yeah. you know? but look yeah. but that's you, okay yeah. that's okay yeah. because do you know what I mean it will all stand to you mm. you know it, those people are certainly going to have it easier than someone who hasn't run do you know what I mean in 20 years yeah. if you if you run a 5k last year done the training last year ran the 5k and didn't do anything since right you know you probably should have but mm. you've You've built that into the system, you know. It's a, it's a sort of, a, 
it's there, you're never going to get rid of it, and when you come back at it again, it's that bit easier to start back again, you know, because you've, you've, you've done it all before. And it gives you a goal to tame it as well. Yeah, that is the secret to... The, That's you know, it. You yeah. need something to say, look... And you can stay where you are, or you can move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, or you can, you know, you, or you can go back again next year and start at the beginner's yeah, club again if you want. You know. do, do the 5K this way, this year and do the yeah. 10K next year, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. But I suppose, really, first and foremost, for, for anyone now that's, that's listening to this interview and uh, hearing what you're saying or, and uh, say, Ginny, I, I might be interested in doing that, uh, they have to register. How do they go about registering? Yeah, if you go on to, to you'll find the links on the Risk Common Sports Partnership website or if you go 